Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Good morning. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to be back with you. Well, I work at it every day. I don't always succeed, but this is a day that I have. We begin with really a couple of positive stories to share with you, beginning with this one, reported by the Associated Press. I know there are a lot of people who are looking at the mixed political implications of the overturning of Roe versus Wade. But I think the thing to celebrate the most, the lives that are saved. Associated Press is reporting at least 66 clinics in 15 states have stopped providing abortions since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. The number of clinics providing abortions in the 15 states dropped from 79 before the June 24th decision to 13 as of October 2nd. This is according to the Guttmacher Institute, a research group that supports abortion rights. All 13 of the remaining clinics are in Georgia. The other states have no providers offering abortions, though some of their clinics are offering care other than abortions. I think this is cause for celebration. These are lives that are being saved. Now I know people have the ability to go to other states and get the abortions, but I think along the way, I know, I'm confident, there are lives being saved here. Nationally, there are more than 800 abortion clinics. That was a figure from 2020, 800. That's a lot. A Guttmacher researcher, Rachel Jones, says much more research will need to be conducted to grasp the full extent of the chaos, confusion, and harm the U.S. Supreme Court has unleashed on people needing abortions. But the picture that is starting to emerge should alarm anyone who supports reproductive freedom and the right to bodily autonomy. (laughs) The new report does not include data on hospitals and physician offices that provide abortions and stop them after the court ruling. But Jones noted 
that clinics provide most U.S. abortions, including procedures and dispensing abortion medication. Recent Guttmacher data show just over half of U.S. abortions are done with medication. States without abortion providers are concentrated, surprise, surprise, in the South. In some of those places, many women seeking abortions would need to travel so far the journey will be impossible. How tragic. Dr. Jean Corwin, who provides abortions in Indiana and Ohio, said clinic closures will result in immeasurable harm to women's health, mental health, and financial health. In several states, access is under threat because bans were put on hold only temporarily by court injunctions. These include Indiana, Ohio, and South Carolina. Dr. Katie McHugh, an OBGYN who provides abortions in Indiana, said it's precarious from a medical standpoint and certainly from a business standpoint. It's difficult to keep the doors open. And the light's on when you don't know if you're going to be a felon tomorrow. (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? The victimhood that is emerging from these folks who have basically made money out of killing babies. And don't forget, out of all of this, this is not just about politics. It's business. Don't forget. It's business. But I rejoice and celebrate the fact 66 U.S. clinics have halted abortions. Amen. I I found this story rather intriguing because I know the media narrative is those uncaring, insensitive, mean-spirited Republicans in Florida and Texas are doing everything they can to make life uncomfortable and miserable for these poor migrants who made it into our country. That's the narrative they're trying to push. But this bit of information may surprise you. This is a Reuters story. Democrat-led Texas City steps up migrant busing to New York, outpacing Republican effort. Hmm. What is this about? We're talking about the Democrat-led border city of El Paso, Texas. They've now sent more migrants on buses to New York City and Chicago than a campaign by Texas governor, the Republican governor. This is quite a twist in the battle over border security. El Paso sits across the border from Juarez, Mexico. They've bussed roughly 7,000 migrants to New York City since late August. Sent more than 1,800 to Chicago. This is a city-run effort that far exceeds the more ad hoc transportation of the past. The city's busing effort has received less attention than a separate statewide campaign by Texas Governor Greg Abbott. I would also suggest to you the mainstream news media is showing this to try to portray Republicans as being un- uncaring and insensitive and hateful. That's what they're trying to do. I think this is really amazing. You've got a Democrat-led city. They've done more than Greg Abbott on this issue. 
Abbott has bused more than 3,000 migrants to New York City, more than 900 to Chicago as part of a high-profile campaign to put a spotlight on the record crossings at the U.S.-Mexico border. Now, keep in mind, again, 7,000 migrants just from El Paso. The city has done this. The city has sent more people into these other areas than the whole state of Texas. That's significant. Abbott has bused more than 3,000 migrants to New York City, 900 to Chicago. It's part of his campaign to put a spotlight on the record crossings of the U.S.-Mexico border. Texas and Arizona combined, they've bused over 10,000 migrants to Washington, D.C. Meanwhile, Florida's Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, he flew a group of about 50 migrants to Martha's Vineyard. And people who boarded the planes claimed they were misled. So again, the next time you have a discussion about this and someone wants to talk about Republicans sending migrants away, you might want to tell them. You need to check out El Paso, Texas. They're very much in this same campaign. Much more as we continue the broadcast right here. Stay with us. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Back on the broadcast, if you would like to join the conversation, the Ingalls Markets Talk Line, 800-928-1110, 800-928-1110, the Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line. It is 71307. Over on that text line, we begin here. Vince needed abortions to save the life of the mother are still legally available. Only elective abortions, like for birth control, are affected. Vince, I'm with you on the lives being saved when it comes to abortion. It's just so difficult to understand why people on the left are so committed. Committed on their argument to lawfully kill another human being. I guess it comes down to reducing population and gain support for political agendas. It's really sad. Very. Vince, hi. Welcome to Thankful Thursday. You know, I ought to use that. Thankful Thursday. We're so thankful for WBT. Vince makes us think. Pete makes us listen. Brett helps us understand. 
Like our friend Joe Biden says, don't F with WBT. (laughs) Gosh. Uh, I think many of you know that's a reference to a little uh, hot mic incident with Joe Biden yesterday. There's just nothing to be said for that. Vince, the only reason Democrats want abortion on a federal level so they can use federal tax dollars to fund these clinics, tax dollars that undoubtedly find their way into their pockets. Since when is pregnancy considered a mental health problem that warrants the murder of the most innocent that we have? Jim, and easily, when you get an answer to that question, let me know. Vince, interesting, the sanctuary states and cities can talk the talk, but cannot walk the walk. The rest of us have to live and suffer with their mistakes. Yep, you're right about that. They love to virtue signal, don't they? Love it. My mother lived in El Paso for four decades until migrants kept jumping her fence and vandalizing the property, plus defecated in her yard and begged for money constantly. First, she tried to help, but it seemed news got out and her yard looked like a campground. Authorities did what they could. Finally, she gave up and moved to another state. A lifelong Democrat, now a conservative. These migrants do impact American citizens, and they don't care. My goodness. It's kind of interesting. Uh, it really changes everything when you experience this firsthand, doesn't it? Totally different perspective. <sighs> Uh, let's see here. See if El Paso, a Democrat city, busing more migrants to New York City and Chicago than the whole state of Texas combined, led by governor, Republican governor, Greg Abbott, is discussed on The View. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I don't think they're going to talk about Democrats taking the lead on this. Mm-hmm. Vince, women want absolute bodily autonomy. Fine. Everyone has one life, one body, over which they have complete autonomy. But abortion involves two human beings. Nobody is given legitimate autonomy over another person's body. It's only one per customer. Alan out of Spartanburg, that is brilliant. The fact that abortions would not be so easily available may help stop some of these promiscuous youngsters not taking any precautions Because they know they can just go and have an abortion. Or at least start using contraception. We would hope. Vincent, abortion is eugenics. Of course. Of course. Vince, Democrats feel a baby is the unwanted result of having sex. Yeah. That's exactly what's going on there. Not very complicated at all. So I have a question for you. How concerned are you about a recent purchase by the U.S. government? You ask, what did they purchase? Well, the U.S. government has purchased a significant supply of radiation injury drugs as the Russian president threatened the use of nuclear weapons. You've heard about the threats out of Vladimir Putin. He said he's not bluffing, right? He's willing to use nuclear weapons in his campaign against Ukraine. 
A $290 million procurement of the drug implant, implate, actually, to treat acute radiation syndrome, ARS, was announced by the U.S. Health and Human Services Department. The government confirmed it was the first purchase of the drug manufactured by the California pharmaceutical company Amgen. This purchase, after Vladimir Putin renewed his threat of nuclear war in a speech last month, he vowed to use all the means at our disposal to protect Russia and its people. This is not a bluff, he said. Now, you tell me how to explain this. The government said the procurement of Inplate was not in response to the war in Ukraine. Oh, pure coincidence, isn't it? An HSS spokesman told the Telegraph, this is part of our ongoing work for preparedness and radiological security. It has not been accelerated by the situation in Ukraine. Oh, of course. Yeah. It is understood the HSS has been working with Amgen and similar companies for some years. U.S. has maintained a stockpile of leukine, a drug which also treats ARS since 2013. Back in 2017, the HSS partnered with Novartis, another pharmaceutical company, to determine if a product used for patients with low blood platelets could be used to protect people in the event of a nuclear incident. The announcement says the supply of in-plate has been procured to save lives following radiological and nuclear emergencies. ARS, also known as radiation sickness, occurs when a person's entire body is exposed to a high dose of penetrating radiation, reaching internal organs in a matter of seconds. Symptoms of ARS include impaired blood clotting, as a result of low platelet counts that can lead to uncontrolled and life-threatening bleeding. God forbid that these are ever needed. But nonetheless, for whatever reason, $290 million used to purchase this medication to treat this condition. Yikes. Stay with us. It's pretty much what we're watching now, isn't it? It's kind of pathetic. I think it's had the impact of weakening Vladimir Putin back at home. We also have these items on the text line. Speaking of being concerned about a recent particular U.S. government purchase, I think most things the federal government spends our money on, worthless. <laughs> yeah. If there is a nuclear incident, the only thing any drug will give us is an extra second to say goodbye. Dean, you're probably right about that. Yee. You know, it's kind of interesting. I think back to, I think it was my high school years. I don't think I was in college yet. Back in the 80s when we had the concern about the possibility of nuclear conflict with the Soviets. And I remember Nightline did this special 
on what would happen. They basically did a countdown of a launch from a nuclear submarine by the Russians. And I think the timeline was like 15, 20 minutes for the missile to hit cities in the United States. And what would happen over those few minutes with the weapons leaving the Russian submarine and then in turn us launching missiles. I mean, it's it was enough to scare the daylights out of anybody. I mean, it's, as you know, pretty serious business. Pretty serious business. This texture said, we need to realize the time is coming to an end. Our Lord and Savior is soon coming. <laughs> we can only hope. Speaking of disasters, <laughs> you know, again, folks, I want to tell you again, remind you again, don't, don't make broad assumptions about news agencies and their coverage of particular stories. That may not look this make this administration look too good. I'm not going to tell you where this story came from yet. But get a load of the headline. Inside the White House's failed effort to dissuade OPEC from cutting oil production to avoid a total disaster. Bottom line here is the White House screwed this up on multiple levels. First off, we shouldn't be going around begging for oil from anybody. This is just, it's just insane is what it is. But this is where we are. And we've learned now the full extent of the begging that's gone on behind the scenes to try to keep OPEC from doing what they did yesterday. The Biden administration launched a full-scale pressure campaign in a last-ditch effort to dissuade Middle Eastern allies from dramatically cutting oil production. That effort appears to have failed following Wednesday's crucial meeting of OPEC plus the international cartel of oil producers that, as expected, announced a significant cut to output in an effort to raise oil prices. That, in turn, will likely cause U.S. gasoline prices to rise at a precarious time for the Biden administration, just five weeks before the midterm elections. Oh, how tragic. Wednesday morning, these oil ministers agreed to an even larger production cut than the White House had feared, two million barrels a day, beginning in November. The minister said the cuts were necessary in light of the uncertainty that surrounds the global economic and oil market outlooks. President Joe Biden told a reporter he was concerned about the cuts, which he viewed as unnecessary. Secretary of State Antony Blinken told reporters when asked about the move when it comes to OPEC, we made clear our views to the OPEC members. Who cares what our views are and why would they care about our views? This is this is what happens when you put people with a an elementary school understanding of the world in charge of foreign policy. If we just nice to people, they'll be nice to us. <laughs> Isn't it nice? Idiots.
For the past several days, Biden's senior most energy, economic and foreign policy officials were enlisted to lobby their foreign counterparts in Middle Eastern allied countries, including Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates to vote against cutting oil production. By the way, when these countries are in trouble, dare I mention it, Kuwait, where the hell do they turn? Where do they turn? Didn't we just bail out Kuwait years ago when they were invaded by Saddam Hussein? And what do they what do they do? They turn around and stab us in the back. Folks, this ticks me off. Saudi Arabia, the country of terrorists, the 9-11 terrorists, still have all kinds of questions to answer. And frankly, we haven't even asked the questions. And what do they do? They stab us in the back. You know, I, to be honest with you, I don't fault these countries. I really don't. Because if you're dealing with a country with leadership as stupid as ours, I would do the same thing. They know they've got us right where they want us. They know that Mr. Magoo is going to continue to buy in this stupid green energy garbage and basically do everything we can to hamstring our own energy supplies. So... We're left with dependence on foreign oil. Brilliant, isn't it? This is the largest cut since the beginning of the pandemic and could lead to a dramatic spike in oil prices. Some of the draft talking points circulated by the White House to the Treasury Department on Monday that were obtained by this network frame the prospect of a production cut as a total disaster and warn it could be taken as a hostile act. Well, duh! It's important everyone is aware of just how high the stakes are, said a U.S. official. What was framed as a broad administration effort expected to continue in the lead-up to the Wednesday OPEC meeting. The White House is having a spasm and panicking, another U.S. official said, describing this latest administration effort as taking the gloves off. According to a White House official, the talking points were being drafted and exchanged by staffers, not approved by White House leadership or used with foreign partners. I'm done with this story. By the way, at CNN, they've shown this administration has failed again. Another absolute cluster. Stay with us. Since he stopped U.S. oil production for the climate, is the climate not affected by oil production in the Middle East? Is the climate only over the U.S.? See, this is the other stupid thing. So we're not going to produce energy from fossil fuels here. But let's do it around the world, somewhere else. And we won't be affected. The logic of this, it's just its not there at all, is it? Two million barrels a day cut. 
just like the one million barrel per day injection from our SPR comes to an end. Look for it. Real, real high figure in gas prices very soon. Probably. Vince, remember when we were energy independent and didn't have these problems? <laughs> it seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? Vince, can you do that be nice to me voice again? I laughed so hard I about drove off the road. Can you just be nice to us? And please, please, Mr. Saudi Arabia, Mr. Sheikh, would you give us some of your oil and not raise your price? We'll be nice to you. You just be nice to us. Great deal, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a barf. I mean, I'm serious. This is the way these idiots of the State Department think. They think everything can be done with diplomacy. Oh, let's just have conversations behind the scenes. No, what you do is you ultimately say, screw all of you. We're going to supply our own energy. And if you want to play games, you want to jack up the prices, you want to manipulate the supply, go do it to somebody else. But you know, one of the reasons we don't do that, because again, this is all tied to this wonderful Ponzi scheme called petrodollars. Our own dollar is tied to this nonsense which is then turned right back to our issues with the Federal Reserve and banking and all. It's a mess, isn't it? So we have to play this little delicate game because we have no fiscal control and responsibility. It's nauseating. The Biden administration doesn't have the guts to ask the right questions and hold these countries accountable. Vince, what is our president doing to us other than stabbing the U.S. economy in the back? It's Jim out of Landrum. Mr. Magoo is mad at Saudi Arabia for doing the same thing he did. Cut production. <laughs> exactly. Vince Islam has a totally different value system. They owe nothing to infidels or their institutions. If there's no benefit to them, there's no dishonor or shame in not upholding any agreements. Alan out of Gastonia. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. What should we do in alliance? Meaning NATO if Putin does bomb Ukraine with nuclear weapons. Who knows? I mean, talk about a mess. With the worst possible leadership in place here in the United States to deal with such a crisis. Pretty messy. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I'll just touch on it. Because I think this is really intriguing. The Guardian has a story. Putin and the Prince fears in West as Russia and Saudi Arabia deepen ties. What a surprise. Prince Mohammed's decision to strengthen relations has alarmed allies. But he has long admired the Russian leader. They both started wars in neighboring countries. Hold significant sway over energy markets. Are known to brook no dissent and to covet spots in history. Russia's embattled President Vladimir Putin and Saudi Arabia's de facto ruler Mohammed bin Salman. They have a lot in common. 
Nearly eight months into Russia's invasion of Ukraine, relations between Riyadh and Moscow are at a high point. As much of Europe, the U.S. and the U.K. double down on attempts to combat an ever more menacing Russian leader, Prince Mohammed has instead chosen to deepen ties. An OPEC meeting in Vienna, the latest landmark on a growing relationship increasingly defying the demands of Riyadh's allies and appearing to give Putin comfort. At a critical juncture in the war, both countries likely to seek to raise oil prices by cutting global supply by up to 2 million barrels a day. They're working together, ladies and gentlemen. Saudi Arabia is not our friend. They're not our friends. And it still blows my mind. Where is the leadership? Where is it? Where is it? It's going to stand up to these folks. But no, we're going to play this. We're all part of the international community. And we need to work together. Nauseating, folks. Still to come on the broadcast, we have an update on the Herschel Walker story. I know I ticked off a lot of people about this. I mean, the the new twist in the story, is it's mind-boggling. And by the way, it further affirms the veracity of the story that came out the other day. (laughs) And there's also a positive side to this for Mr. Herschel Walker. We'll tell you about that and much more as we continue. Stay with us. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 